Chapter Six of Old Wells Dug Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcia Payne. Old Wells Dug Out by Thomas Talmage. Grace in Crystals. Salt is good luke chapter fourteen verse thirty four the bible is a dictionary of the finest similes it employs among living creatures storks and eagles and doves and unicorns and sheep and cattle among trees sycamores and terebinths and pomegranates and almonds and apples among jewels pearls and amethysts and jathist and chrysoprase christ uses no stale illustrations the lilies that he plucks for his sermons are dewy fresh the ravens in his discourses are not stuffed specimens of birds but warm with life from wingtip to wingtip the fish he points to are not dull about the gills as though long captured but a squirm in the wet net just brought up on the beach of tiberius in my text which is the peroration of one of his sermons he picks up a crystal and holds it before his congregation as an illustration of divine grace in the heart when he says what we all know by experiment salt is good i shall try to carry out the savior's idea in his text and in the first place say to you that grace is like salt in its beauty in galatia there are mines of salt with excavations and underground passages reaching i am told two hundred and eighty miles far underground there are chapels and halls of reception the columns the altars and the pulpits of salt when the king and the princes come to visit these mines the whole place is illumined and the glory of crystal walls and crystal ceilings and crystal floors and crystal columns under the glare of the torches and the lamps needs words of crystal to describe it but you need not go so far as that to find the beauty of salt we live in a land which produces fourteen millions of bushels of it in a year and you can take the morning rail train and in a few hours get to the salt mines and the salt springs and you have this article morning noon and night on your table salt has all the beauty of the snowflake and water foam with durability added it is beautiful to the naked eye but under the glass you see the stars and the diamonds and the white tree branches and the splinters and the bridges of fire as the sun glints them there is more architectural skill in one of these crystals of salt than human ingenuity has ever demonstrated in an alhambra or st peter's it would take all time with an infringement upon eternity for an angel of god to tell one half the glories in a salt crystal so with the grace of god it is perfectly beautiful 
I have seen it smooth out wrinkles of care from the brow. I have seen it make an aged man feel almost young again. I have seen it lift the stooping shoulders and put sparkle into the dull eye. Solomon discovered its anatomical qualities when he said, It is marrow to the bones. It helps to digest the food, and to purify the blood, and to calm the pulses and quiet the spleen. And instead of putting a man in a philosophical hospital to be experimented on by prayer, it keeps him so well that he does not need to be prayed for as an invalid. I am now speaking of a healthy religion, not of that morbid religion that sits for three hours on a gravestone reading Hervey's meditations about the tombs, a religion that prospers best in a bad state of the liver. I speak of the religion that Christ preached. I suppose when that religion has conquered the world, that disease will be banished and that a man a hundred years of age will come in from business and say, I feel tired, I think it must be time for me to go, and without one physical pang, heaven will have him. But the chief beauty of grace is in the soul. It takes that which was hard and cold and repulsive and makes it all over again. It pours upon one's nature what David calls the beauty of holiness. It extirpates everything that is hateful and unclean. If jealousy and pride and lust and worldliness lurk about, they are chained and have a very small sweep. Jesus throws upon the soul the fragrance of a summer garden as he comes in saying, I am the rose of Sharon and he submerges it with the glory of a spring morning when he says, I am the light. Oh, how much that grace did for the three Johns. It took John Bunyan, the foul-mouthed, and made him John Bunyan, the immortal dreamer. It took John Newton, the infidel sailor, and in the midst of the hurricane made him cry out, My mother's God, have mercy upon me. It took John Summerfield from a life of sin and by the hand of a Christian edged tool maker led him into the pulpit that burns still with the light of that Christian eloquence which charmed thousands to the Jesus whom he once despised. Ah, you may search all the earth over for anything so beautiful or beautifying as the grace of God. Go all through the deep mine passages of Olenska and amidst the underground kingdoms of salt in Halstead and show me anything so exquisite, so transcendentally beautiful as this grace of God fashioned and hung in eternal crystals. Again, grace is like salt in the fact that it is a necessity of life man and beast perish without salt what are those paths across the western prairies why they were made there by deer and buffalo going to and coming away from the salt licks chemists and physicians all over the world tell us that salt is a necessity of life 
and so with the grace of God. You must have it or die. I know a great many people speak of it as a mere adornment, a sort of shoulder strap adorning a soldier, or a light, frothing dessert brought in after the greatest part of the banquet of life is over, or a medicine to be taken after calomel and mustard plasters have failed to do their work. But ordinarily, a mere superfluity, a string of bells around a horse's neck while he draws the load, and in no wise helping him to draw it. So far from that, I declare the grace of God to be the first and the last necessity. It is food we must take or starve into an eternity of famine. It is clothing without which we freeze to the mast of infinite terror. It is the plank and the only plank on which we can float shoreward. It is the ladder and the only ladder on which we can climb away from eternal burnings and that young woman who sits before me and laughs must have it or die it is a positive necessity for the soul you can tell very easily what the effect would be if a person refused to take salt into the body the energies would fail the lungs would struggle with the air slow fevers would crawl through the brain the heart would flutter and the life would be gone that process of death is going on in many a one because they take not the salt of divine grace the soul becomes weaker and weaker and after a while the pulses of life will stop entirely stretch out that soul on the bier of eternal death coffin it in a groan strew on it wreaths of nightshade cover it with a pall of eternal blackness set no burning lamps at the head and at the feet but rather the extinguished torches of the silly virgins whose lamps went out let the pall-bearers come in remorse and despair and anguish and pain and shoulder it and take it away with solemn and awful tramp remembering that they carry the corpse of a soul he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned salt a necessity for the life of the body the grace of god a necessity for the life of the soul again i remark that grace is like salt in abundance god has strewn salt in vast profusion all over the continents russia seems built on a salt cellar there is one region in that country that turns out ninety thousand tons in a year england and russia and italy have inexhaustible resources in that respect norway and sweden white with snow above white with salt beneath austria yielding nine hundred thousand tons annually nearly all the nations rich in it rock salt spring salt sea salt christ the creator of the world when he uttered our text knew it would become more and more significant as the shafts were sunk and the springs were bored and the pumps were worked and the crystals were gathered so the grace of god is abundant 
it is for all lands for all ages for all conditions it seems to undergird everything pardon for the worst sin comfort for the sharpest suffering brightest light for the thickest darkness around about the salt lakes of Saratoy, there are ten thousand men toiling day and night and yet they never exhaust the saline treasures and if the one thousand millions of our race should now cry out to god for his mercy there would be enough for all for those farthest gone in sin for the murderer standing on the drop of the gallows for rosenwig and stokes and foster it is an ocean of mercy and if europe and asia africa north and south america and all the islands of the sea went down in it today they would have room enough to wash and come up clean let no man in this house think that his case is too tough a one for god to act upon though your sin may be deep and raging let me tell you that god's grace is a bridge not built on earthly piers but suspended and spanning the awful chasm of your guilt one end resting upon the rock of eternal promises and the other on the foundations of heaven demetrius wore a robe so encrusted with jewels that no one after him ever dared to wear it but our king jesus takes off the robe of his righteousness a robe blood dyed and heaven impearled and reaches it out to the worst wretch in all the earth and says put that on wear it now wear it forever again the grace of god is like salt in the way we come at it the salt on the surface is almost always impure that which encrusts the rocky mountains and the south american pampas and in india but the miners go down through the shafts and through the dark labyrinths and along by galleries of rock and with torches and pickaxes find their way under the very foundations of the earth to where the salt lies that makes up the nation's wealth to get to the best saline springs of the earth huge machinery goes down boring depth upon depth depth upon depth until from under the very roots of the mountains the saline water supplies the aqueduct this water is brought to the surface and is exposed in tanks to the sun for evaporation or it is put in boilers mightily heated and the water evaporates and the salt gathers at the bottom of the tank the work is completed and the fortune is made so with the grace of god it is to be profoundly sought after with all the concentred energies of body mind and soul we must dig for it no man stumbles accidentally on it we need to go down to the very lowest strata of earnestness and faith to find it superficial exploration will not turn it up we must strive and implore and dig until we strike the spring foaming with living waters then the work of evaporation begins 
and as when the saline waters are exposed to the sun the vapors float away leaving nothing but the pure white salt at the bottom of the tank so when the christian soul is exposed to the sun of righteousness the vapors of pride and selfishness and worldliness float off and there is chiefly left beneath pure white holiness of heart then as in the case of the salt the furnace is added blazing troubles stirred by smutted stokers of darkness quicken the evaporation of worldliness and the crystallization of grace have you not been in enough trouble to have that work go on i was reading of aristotle who said there was a field of flowers in sicily so sweet that once a hound coming on the track of game came to that field and was bewildered by the perfumes and so lost the track oh that our souls might become like a field which the lord hath blessed and exhale so much of the sweetness of christian character that the hounds of temptation coming on our track might lose it and go howling back with disappointment but i remark again that the grace of god is like the salt in its preservative quality you know that salt absorbs the moisture in articles of food and infuses them with brine which preserves them for a long while salt is the great anti-putrefactive of the world experimenters in preserving food have tried sugar and smoke and airtight jars and everything else but as long as the world stands christ's words will be suggestive and men will admit that as a great preservative salt is good but for the grace of god the earth would have become stale carcass long before this that grace is the only preservative of laws and constitutions and literatures just as soon as a government loses this salt of divine grace it perishes the philosophy of this day so far as it is antagonistic to this religion putrefies and stinks the great want of our schools of learning and our institutions of science today is not more laden jars and galvanic batteries and spectroscopes and philosophical apparatus but more of that grace that will teach our men of science that the god of the universe is the god of the bible how strange it is that in all their magnificent sweep of the telescope they have not seen the morning star of jesus and that in all their experiments with light and heat they have not seen the light and felt the warmth of the sun of righteousness we want more of the salt of god's grace in our homes in our schools in our colleges in our social life in our christianity and that which has it will live and that which has it not will die i proclaim the tendency of everything earthly to putrefaction and death the religion of christ the only preservative my subject is one of great congratulation to those who have within their souls this gospel antiseptic 
this salt will preserve them through the temptations and sorrows of life and through the ages of eternity i do not mean to say that you will have a smooth time because you are a christian on the contrary if you do your whole duty i will promise you a rough time you march through an enemy's country and they will try to double up both flanks and to cut you off from your source of supplies the war you wage will not be with toy arrows but sword plunged to the hilt and spurring on your steed over heaps of the slain but i think that god omnipotent will see you through i think he will but why do i talk like an atheist when i ought to say i know he will kept by the power of god through faith unto complete salvation when governor geary of pennsylvania died a few days ago i lost a good friend he impressed me mightily with the horrors of war in the eight hours that it takes to come from harrisburg to new york he recited to me the scenes through which he had passed in the last war he said that there came one battle upon which everything seemed to pivot telegrams from washington said that the life of the nation depended upon that struggle he said to me i went into that battle sir with my son his mother and i thought everything of him you know how a father will feel toward his son who is coming up manly and brave and good well the battle opened and concentered and it was awful horses and riders bent and twisted and piled up together it was awful sir we quit firing and took to the point of the bayonet well sir i didn't feel like myself that day i had prayed to god for strength for that particular battle and i went into it feeling that i had in my right arm the strength of ten giants and as the governor brought his arm down on the back of the seat it fairly made the car tremble well he said the battle was desperate but after a while we gained a little and we marched on a little i turned around to the troops and shouted come on boys and i stepped across a dead soldier and lo it was my son i saw at the first glance that he was dead and yet i did not dare to stop a minute for the crisis had come in the battle so i just got down on my knees and i threw my arms around him and i gave him one good kiss and said good-bye dear and then i sprang up and shouted come on boys so it is in the christian conflict it is a fierce fight eternal ages seem depending on the strife heaven is waiting for the bulletins to announce the tremendous issue hail of shot gash of sabre fall of battle-axe groaning on every side we cannot stop for loss or bereavement or anything else with one ardent embrace and one loving kiss we utter our farewells and then cry come on boys there are other heights to be captured there are other foes to be conquered there are other crowns to be won yet as one of the lord's surgeons i must bind up two or three wounds just lift them now whatever they be 
I have been told there is nothing like salt to stop the bleeding of a wound, and so I take this salt of Christ's gospel and put it on the lacerated soul. It smarts a little at first, but see, the bleeding stops, and lo, the flesh comes again as the flesh of a little child. Salt is good. End of chapter 6 Reading by Marcia Payne